On this episode of the Catholic Echo podcast from the Diocese of Youngstown, I'll be talking about the annual diocesan appeal with Bishop David Bonner. Find more about this episode's topic, including articles from the Catholic Echo at catholicecho.org slash podcast. And now, the host of the Catholic Echo podcast, Father Jim Corda. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Echo podcast. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Our show is brought to you by the annual diocesan appeal, the Catholic communication campaign, and Cumulus Media Youngstown. With me again is Bishop David Bonner. Welcome to our show. Thank you, Father. It's so great to be here. Our topic today is going to be the annual diocesan appeal. It's entitled One in Hope, One in Mission. There's a rich history of a diocesan appeal, not only here in the diocese, but in the church in general. And in years gone by, that money has been collected primarily for the work of the church and Catholic Charities. And it's given different names. Over the years, it was Catholic Charities Appeal, or it was the Bishop's Appeal. Now we call it an annual diocesan appeal, which is kind of an umbrella to look at the monies that are collected through the generosity and the stewardship of the faithful of the Diocese of Youngstown to carry on the mission of the church. First of all, what does that theme, one in hope and one in mission, actually mean? So when I was called by the Apostolic Nuncio to become Bishop of Youngstown, one of the first orders of business for me was to choose an Episcopal motto. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned in a previous podcast, this happened immediately in the aftermath of the presidential election Mm -hmm. of 2020. The country was fractured and splintered and divided. And so what came to my mind and heart and prayer was the, the prayer of Jesus, that all may be one. There's nothing Jesus desires of us more then we are one. One together, one in faith, one in hope, one in love, one in mission. Even in the face of our diversity and differences, that we are one. So what we're trying, when I came on board, we rebranded in this sense of oneness Mm -hmm. to really underline the solidarity that is ours and the responsibility to be one in our outreach and in our mission. Let me just say, this isn't about money. This is about mission, and you can't have mission without prayer. I have in my private chapel at home a stack of prayer petitions that are forwarded to me as the bishop along with a person's donation. People are asked, what would you like the bishop to pray for? And so I literally place these petitions I read through every single one of them. I place them on my altar, and every time I celebrate Mass, I lift those petitions up. And for me, that is one of the most moving parts of this whole appeal, is to share in the prayer life of our faithful. You know, I'd like to pick up on that, because oftentimes we say that prayer is important, but when we can personalize that petition when we can actually say to somebody, for example, when they leave church and they tell us about a loved one or spouse that's going to have surgery or a child of theirs that's experiencing an addiction or a problem and they want our prayers, for us to personalize that is really so important. Oftentimes what I've done is I would say, if they're asking for prayers for a child, I would say, what's your child's first name? So it personalizes it it says that that I've listened to you. And so in my prayers at Mass, whether it's during Mass or in the prayers of the faithful where we take a few moments to call to mind those personal intentions, I try to remember those names or just say, praying for those who have asked my prayers. 
that really is important for us to have that element of prayer. But I, I also want to go back to that word hope. In a day and age that we live in, hope is one of those virtues that many people are grasping for. And what during this annual appeal and the people that we're trying to help and assist, what can we do to give them hope? I think that our collective participation in this mission is a clear way in which we can offer hope because the gifts, the donations become part of the means for the mission. Whether it's Catholic charities or whether it's some ministries within the diocese, all of these outreaches offer glimmers of hope to people in their darkness. So it's almost as if our participation in this allows us to remove the blind from their window and to allow the light of Christ to shine into their hearts. You know, you had mentioned that it's not about money, and it isn't about money, and yet money is a fundamental need that we have in order to carry on this mission that we call our local diocesan church. But we're not always asking people to give a set amount, but to give what they can. But there's a process that they should go through. They should prayerfully consider what they want to contribute. And if they don't have the money, what about continuing to share their time or their talent with the church or their local parish? How important are those other two elements of time and talent? Well, as someone who spent a great deal of his priesthood in parish life and served as a pastor in three different parishes, I can tell you that all three of those realities are integral to the mission. Mm -hmm. It's important that people not only give their treasure, but not everybody has a treasure in terms of monetary Mm -hmm. realities. It's important, though, that they give their time. You know, time is one of the greatest gifts time in ministry, time in just being present to the faith community, and of course their talent. There's room for everybody in the church, and we all have something to give, you know, whether it's singing in the choir, whether it's being on the liturgical committee and decorating the church, whether it's helping with social media in the parish, whether it's serving on one of the councils, the pastoral council, the finance council. I think it's incumbent upon the pastor to really invite, as well as the bishop, to invite people to come forward with their time, their talent, and their treasure. And we do know that this annual appeal, which is really going to commence during the Lenten season, also puts us in that spirit, that spirit of preparation and penance in order to celebrate worthily the resurrection of the Lord. So why, as we see ourselves entering into the season of Lent shortly, should we use that time to prayerfully consider who we are and what we, in a spirit of stewardship, can contribute to our local parish and our diocese? Well, I think that it's just an opportunity for us to acknowledge that we're blessed and what we're given, we need to share. And that a lot of times there are people that are less fortunate than us. I mean, there are many crosses out there. So as we pick up the cross in Lent, the ashes place on our forehead on Ash Wednesday, there is such a poignancy to that image and to that cross because it's not just the cross that Jesus carried for us in which we are saved, but it's our own individual crosses, it's our neighbor's cross, it's our family's cross. There's a lot of wood out there, heavy wood that people are carrying, and we're not meant to 
to do that alone. We're meant to support and encourage one another, just as when we pray the Stations of the Cross, Jesus encountered people who helped him along the way. In closing, uh, briefly, what would you like to tell the priests, especially pastors, on what they can do to encourage their faithful to participate in this annual Dawson Appeal? Well, I just want to say that our pastors, our parish priests, they practice what they preach. They are significant givers to this campaign, and I'm grateful for what they do. It isn't just about what they say, it's about what they do. And what they do is significant in the life of this church. And I just encourage them because this isn't something that we learn in the seminary. It's hard to ask people for these realities, but this is all for the good of the church. God doesn't put us somewhere where he doesn't give us the graces that we need. So I just want to encourage them to to stand tall and to think of the mission and invite people to share in that mission. One in hope, one in mission. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that the Catholic Echo magazine is delivered 10 times per year to 52,000 Catholic households in Northeastern Ohio? That's more than 150,000 people. In the Catholic Echo website, catholicecho.org, has been averaging 30,000 views per month since it launched in February 2023. Advertise your business, special event, or service with the Catholic Echo in print or online. Email catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org. Advertising discounts are available for Catholic institutions as well as for businesses that commit to five or ten issues in a year. Email catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org or visit the advertising tab at catholicecho.org for more information. With me now is Father Jack Lavelle. Welcome to our show. It's great to be here. You know, we're going to talk about the annual diocesan appeal, and this basically falls under your leadership as a director of stewardship. And for the folks that are with us, I think it would be good for us to give them a little history of the diocesan appeal, bishops' appeal, Catholic charities. Where did this whole appeal for money start? Well, even before we look at the money, the existence of our Catholic Charities organizations even predates the actual establishment of the Diocese of Youngstown. When we were still part of the Diocese of Cleveland, each of the agencies throughout our six counties were long established. And then certainly we saw the need to fund that ministry. And so for the longest time, we had strictly what was considered a Catholic Charities appeal. And there weren't necessarily official goals set. It was free will offering. And then after a while, it was more formalized. And so they would look at each parish and say, well, you know, on an average, this is what this parish has been able to donate collectively to uh, the work of Catholic Charities. And so that's how the whole structure of goals for each parish was established. And for the longest time, it remained just a Catholic Charities appeal. And then it would be in the mid-1990s, I think 96, 97, it was redeveloped as the annual Bishop's Appeal. And what happened then was it was determined that two-thirds of all money raised would go directly to the work of Catholic Charities, and a third would be used to continue the advancement of a variety of ministries that really functions out of the chancery of the diocese, whether it's religious education, Catholic school ministry, seminary formation, a whole long list. 
but always with the focus that we were not going to shortchange the work of charity. Indeed, that very first year of the annual Bishop's Appeal, the goal that was set for just the Catholic Charities portion was higher than what had ever been generated in the past. So sometimes people think, oh, the division of it, you know, it hurt the work of charity. It actually increased the amount that was given to charity. So when you're talking about other ministries, let's talk about that for a moment. Aside from Catholic Charities, Mm -hmm. what would be some of those other ministries that the appeal would help to foster, promote, and also fund? A perfect example of that would be the support of educating men for the priesthood. That is certainly not an inexpensive endeavor. Sometimes men are in that program for nine years if they've come right out of high school, for college, for an internship year, for the master's degree at the major seminary. There is room and board. There is the cost of education that's paid to those educational institutions that the men go to. And so that money is supported in part by the appeal, in part by other foundation accounts that have been established. And then we see the work of what our religious education, our faith formation department does, our tribunal. You know, we no longer uh, require any fee for any annulments to be done. That's all done free will. But there's staff that need to be trained and educated to work on that. Our Catholic schools, offices, certainly people do pay tuition to be part of the individual schools. But there's a whole structure that comes from the administrative arm here at the the Chancery. And that's just a few. We have the pro-life and marriage and family ministries. Anything that reaches out in the parishes has some connection here at the diocese where there's always somebody or some organization they can go to to help that ministry along. We would be remiss if we didn't add to that the communication efforts of the diocese over these years to bring radio, television, print into their homes. All of that is helped through these annual appeals. Let's go back to Catholic Charities. You know, Catholic Charities does so much over the years. And why is it important for us as church to promote Catholic Charities fundamentally? I think if we just simply go back to the the scriptures, you know, we hear a lot about those virtues of faith, hope, and love. We need to remember that the translation of the word love in that context is caritas, mm-hmm. which is not the eros or the amorous love of a husband and a wife or even the familial love of a parent to children or siblings. That caritas is that love of brother and sister, that extended family, what we would call our family of faith and even beyond our particular faith. We also see I remind people oftentimes, we'll hear about people who were charged to take care of widows and orphans. Widows and orphans was code language in scripture for anyone who, for whatever reason, society prohibited them from being able to provide for themselves. Now, we know literally during the time of Jesus and long after, widows and orphans, because if you didn't have an adult male in your household, you couldn't earn a living. Nowadays, we know there are orphans who are well off, there are widows who are well off, but we still use that as code for anyone who we need to reach out and help. That has been the hallmark of the church from its inception. And of course, many dioceses around the country still do what they call a bishop's appeal. Why have we changed from bishop's appeal to an annual appeal? It became the bishop's appeal, as I said, probably in 1997. When Bishop Bonner arrived, he felt, while it was certainly an honor to have this in the name of the bishop, that he felt that it was really the collective work of all of us, that it was the work of the bishop, 
our pastors, our lay ecclesial ministers, our people in the pews. And so we are one large diocesan community, and we all are called to work together in this endeavor. And so this is our coming up on our third year that it's now the annual diocesan appeal with the tagline, one in hope, one in mission, that we are out there to continue to further the mission of the church, but also to provide hope. And so it really is kind of that bringing together of the different ministries, but first and foremost, that hope that's provided by Catholic Charities. Give us a brief kind of recap of this past year's appeal. So the appeal officially ended on December 31st this past year, and it always begins the Sunday before Ash Wednesday. So it really, it went from being an Easter appeal to a Lenten appeal, gives us more time to work through it. Our goal was four million. Over the last few years, I'd really say since COVID, we've struggled to get all of our donors back. We also know that we have an aging base and we need to continue to motivate younger people to that work of charity. So we ended near $3.6 million. So we were short of our goal. But the one thing that I think is so, just speaks so highly of the people of faith across our six counties, we have, when you look at other charitable organizations, the amount of money that is pledged and committed in relationship to the amount of money that is finally paid, it's just razor thin the difference. People always, always follow through on what they're willing to do. And, and many studies out there say if you get 90%, you're lucky. We end up with 98%, 99% sometimes. You know, there's always going to be someone that passes away and they're not able to fulfill the pledge, obviously. But we've had many people that they've passed away or they've moved and the family still makes good on the pledge because that was a commitment that their loved one made. So we did rather well, and we're able to adjust and try to make up for that difference. We're going to talk a little bit more about this annual Dawson Appeal in our next segment, but would like to remind the folks that are with us how important it is that we, as church, give our time, talent, and treasure repaying back the many gifts that God has blessed us with and encourage people to learn more about this annual appeal. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but stay with us. We'll be right back. The Catholic Echo is the media arm of the Catholic Diocese of Youngstown, and it seeks to inform and entertain Catholics in our six-county diocese by forging stronger connections to our parish communities and highlighting the many blessings of Catholic life in our region. If you have a story idea for the Catholic Echo magazine, podcast, or website, send an email to catholicecho at youngstowndiocese.org. We'd love to hear your ideas. Wondering what happened to timely Catholic news in the Diocese of Youngstown? It's at catholicecho.org. Sign up for the email newsletter while you're there to have Catholic news delivered to your inbox. Welcome back to our show. I'm talking with Father Jack Lavelle, who is the director of the annual Dawson Appeal under his directorship as stewardship director. We just want to remind the folks that are with us that the title of the appeal, again, is One in Hope, One in Mission. Let's talk about that title. What does hope and what is mission? What does that have to do with the appeal? Well, I think first and foremost, the work of charity is not just to provide help, but it's to provide hope. Our ultimate goal is really to put ourselves out of business. We know that that probably is never going to happen. But our ultimate goal is that when we enter into people's lives, when they are most desperate and most in need of help, that along with the tangible support of whether it is rent assistance, utility assistance, food, 
clothing and formula and diapers for their infants or toddlers, that we're also providing them with hope, hope that maybe they can get back on their feet. So many people are just one paycheck away from being in the the desperate situation we find so many people. So we always want to provide the help. You meet the immediate needs, but then you want to provide that long-term hope that things can get better. And the mission part then certainly is that companion piece, as we've talked about, you know, the many other ministries of the church that provides help and hope to us as people of faith. We often say we don't give because the individual who's in need is Catholic. We give because we are, and we are a people who are on a mission. My main office in the chancery is Vicar of Missionary Discipleship. We're all called to be those missionary discipleships to go out into the world and bear witness to Christ. And we do it with our work with charity, but we do it even in those many other ministries. And you mentioned so well the work of communication. We really need to get the message out, the many, many good things that we're called to do in our communities and working together. So it is certainly the financial piece is important, but our time and our talent is also so valuable. And I'd like to pick up on those three words, time, talent, and treasure. And as director of stewardship for the diocese, we know that stewardship has been ingrained in us more recently is a way of life. And that is a threefold aspect of time, talent, and treasure. How do those three work in this whole annual Dawson appeal? Go back to the charity piece. Catholic charities across our six counties, to do what they did last year and the year before, needs far more than what we are able to raise in the annual appeal. Our goal is not based on what they need to do their ministry. It's really based on a formula of what we believe the people of faith across the six counties can give. There's a formula, not to confuse our listeners, but studies out there say if you are a regular churchgoer and you give so much on a Sunday for a one-time annual appeal, you might be able to give this much. So that's how that is done. Catholic Charities takes that money, their 60% of the appeal, and they use it really as leverage for other grants, other governmental contracts, depending on the county they're in, sometimes twice as much, three times, even as much as four times as much. And in addition to that, we could never afford, we have wonderful staff across our six counties, but we count on so many more volunteers. Mm -hmm. If we had to pay people to do every job, we'd be bankrupt. So we really do count on people not only being a people of treasure, but of their time and their talent. What are they able to offer? What are they able to to offer the agencies, you know, with their time? Maybe they've retired. Maybe they're working part-time. Maybe kids are raised and they're looking for something to do and they want to offer their time. And what is their particular talent that might be so well needed? So that's not just in our ministries part of church. We're all familiar with volunteering at church, but with our Catholic charities, how might we be able to help, whether it's with the food drives, sorting the Christmas gifts, stocking the shelves with formula and diapers. There's all kinds of things that we need people to help with. Let's talk about the people in the pew, because that's basically who you appeal to. What does the pastor need to do in order to encourage and make sure that the folks in the pew understand the importance of the annual appeal? The very first thing is their own support. It's hard to get everybody else in your parish to buy into something you don't support. And we are very blessed that every year when we review the gifts that come simply from our clergy, which we know there are not many. We wish we had twice the number of clergy that we have. But with about 115, 120 active and retired priests 
that are part of the Diocese of Youngstown, the annual gift to the appeal is always well over $100,000. And the salary isn't huge, you know, so they are very generous themselves. And then can speak from that generosity, not bragging about what they've given, but that they first have made a gift, and then they have credibility speaking to the people in their pews and making the case of where the money goes. We are very transparent of where it goes. We have a very low administrative overhead in recording the gifts and getting all of that done, and and just reminding people that this is our Christian mission, to see a need and do whatever we can. And that's why we don't tell every individual, you must give this or you must give that. If people have given in the past, they get a letter from the bishop with a suggested amount. That amount isn't because we've done you know, research on where they live and what they make. It's always based on what they've given in the past. One thing that I think is sensitive to a lot of people, and that is preaching from the pulpit about money. You know, the church always gets a bad rap about that. But yet we're not... <clears throat> preaching necessarily about money. We're preaching about hope and mission and charities. Why is it important for us to distinguish that that's what we're doing, not that we're just asking for your money? And you're absolutely right. Anybody who wants to criticize will always go to all they do is talk about money. All they want is money. You know, weekly in the bulletin is what we received from the people of God the week before for transparency, to let them know this is your money at work. This is continuing the mission and the ministry of the church. Jesus, in the 20-some parables that he spoke about, a third of them dealt with money. And we could even say that more dealt with money because they dealt with agriculture or livestock, which was how those people made their money. Jesus spoke about this because he understood that that was, to use a pun, the currency in which people traded to make their lives, you know, happen. I would love to be able to just pray away my light and water bill, my, you know, insurance bill. But I think people in the pews, most people know that there is a need for the financial resources to make things happen. In-kind gifts are wonderful, the Christmas giving, the donations along the time. But we have to have our buildings we have to have our staff. If we don't have that, there's no place for people to come to get that hope or get that help. You know, just like our churches. If we didn't have church buildings and we didn't have a staff to maintain them, we couldn't go and worship. You know, we wouldn't be that connected family. So I think most people get it. You're always going to have people that refuse to get it, and so that's the easiest go-to. But we try to provide very clear transparency of how the money is used, how it is spent, and the difference it's making in people's lives. Where can the folks go to learn more information, not just through their parish, but in other venues? Well, we're a very technologically savvy society right now, so anyone can get out any of their devices and go to www.doy.org, the diocesan website, and Front and center will be the appeal button or the logo of the appeal, and you can click on that. That not only takes you to a portal if you wanted to make your gift online, but it gives you all kinds of education, those different ministries that it supports, the work of charities, where our charity agencies are, stories of how people have been helped, and then throughout this coming year, always periodic updates of how each parish is doing, what their goal is, how many people have responded, 
And I would just encourage everyone to take some time, you know, as we enter this season of preparation for the resurrection, but preparation for the kingdom, to really reflect about the part we can play in making a difference in other people's lives. Well, Father Jack Lavelle, Vicar for Missionary Discipleship and Director of Stewardship, thank you for your leadership in the annual Dawson Appeal. And we encourage you folks that are with us to join us in this One in Hope, One in Mission. And for more information, go to catholicecho.org. The Catholic Echo Podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown in cooperation with Cumulus Media Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda. Have a blessed day, and may God be with you.